Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's on Draft, the podcast where we each draft five picks around a prompt we've written from books, movies, TV shows, or anything else in the universe. And you, the listener, get to tell us whose picks solve the case. I'm Cameron. That was not Paul's intro. I'm joined only by Michael. Mike, how's it going? It's going well, and I guess that Paul can't be with us today because this is a two-detective show. Ooh, two-detective. I like it. I like it. Yeah, Paul Paul is not here because we will be drafting. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but we'll be drafting around uh, uh, a true detective, the popular HBO series, and he has not watched any of it, so he's afraid to get some spoilers that in addition to he's doing a little bit of traveling at the end of the summer right now. So he's a little busy. So he thought he'd take this week off. I said, fine, let's cut the dead weight and let's get the stars in there to really handle this podcast as it should be. Mike, I think this is the first podcast with just me and you. You've done you and Paul. I've mm-hmm. done me and Paul, uh, I think twice maybe. Um, but I don't think me and you have done one solo. This is the first, yeah. This is the first. This is the first. The the listeners are chomping at the bit for this quality programming, um, <laughs> without without the the rudder that is Paul. <laughs> yeah, it took us uh, fifteen minutes to figure out how to do the intro. Yeah, I mean we're way behind the schedule. We were supposed to start at four. It is now <laughs> four fifty. Um, there's various reasons why couldn't get the link set up. Uh, you had internet, internet problems. problems. Yeah. I was still doing research. Then we had to figure out how to do the intro. So a little bit of a rough start, but I'm ready to get going. Let's start with our usual, As am I. our usual banter here. Have you seen anything recently? You know what I saw last night? I saw the hogs dominate the Longhorns. Woo pig! That's right. That's right. Yeah. This is fresh Big congrats off of a- to them. Fresh off of a top 25 win here. For, I was reading uh, Razorback football. Last time they beat a top 25 opponent was in 2011. It's been 10 years. Um, and to do it against our historic rival, Texas, uh, was just magical. You know, I had some cousins in town um, who went to UT. Um, and they went to the game. Uh, and needless to say, I was smack talking before they left because I told them I got to get this in now because it's probably I'm not going to be able to say anything. Mm-hmm. Man, I was smack talking when they got home. So it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. So uh, next time, I guess we play them. You can refer back to this win. That's right. Yeah. No, good win. Good win. So apparently th- were they thinking about joining the SEC? They are joining the SEC. Oh, they are. Okay. They are. Yeah. I think, I, I think 2025 is the target year. Them okay. and uh, Oklahoma. So it's going to be a, I, I don't know how they're going to do It's going to be a 16 team conference. You know, Damn. right now they only have eight conference games a year for football. So uh, it, it, I just, it, you could go years uh mm-hmm. without paying somebody you could go i think they said like the way if they keep scheduling the way they are you could go like like seven or eight years before you play in like a certain team stadium or before you host them like like essentially it'd be all like oh yeah. florida plays in arkansas every like seven or eight years like that's unbelievable that's crazy so it is I, I don't know you would go your yeah, you could go your, you could whole, go your college, whole college career. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, 
was real hope, hoping they go to a, a nine game schedule. I really wish everybody would go to a 10 conference game schedule so you can really get some good games in, stop playing these mm-hmm. real crappy small schools. But we'll see how it goes. It should be entertaining. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of football. Week one, week two was last night. So um, that's what I spend most of my night doing. Hmm. Have you been watching What If at all on Disney Plus? I have not watched. I've not watched What If or Loki. I'm a bit. I'm a bit out of uh, the, the superhero stuff right now. I'm just. It's not gravitating yeah. toward me personally. So I'm not trying to force myself to watch something because it's out there. So I'll probably wait till I get back into um, that kind of a headspace, and then I'll, I'll pick. I'll pick it back up. That's fair. So this past week of What If was my least favorite episode so far. And it had to do with the undead. Hmm. And I just feel like it was uh, not as strong as other what if episodes. Hmm. Interesting. I really enjoyed the the Doctor Strange one. That was uh, really interesting. The Loki show is it's it's not so much about superpowers. It's kind of a procedural drama. They're trying to track down someone. So it's a lot different from the typical MCU stuff. Interesting. That does kind of appeal to me a little bit. <laughs> I thought you were saying something earlier. We were talking <laughs> over each other. So I was letting you go. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, we're also having a little bit of a sound delay here. So me and Michael are doing our best <laughs> to not talk over each other. There's a there's a decent like two and a half second delay for each of us. So you might experience some uh some uh some gaps. Yeah. No, I was just saying so the concept of that show is like hypothetical um storytelling within the MCU. Do I understand that correctly? Apparently, since it's a multiverse, these are other things that could happen. Kind of like with comics when they like go off in deviations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant way to bring in more dollars. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Star Wars will have to end up doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So It's kind of like fan fiction. Yeah. And the way, what if so-and-so went here instead? That's exactly what this show is. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. It's uh, animated in an interesting style. I feel like some episodes are more successful than others. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like 3d animation, but they shade it really flatly. Hmm. So it looks, it looks a little bit more like a 2d show. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I have you. You see anything new? I have actually. Um, I've been on a decent movie kick. I've been plowing through some movies. You know, I think on the last episode I referenced, I was in the middle of a movie. Finally finished it. Uh, Mm. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Courier. I think it's from this year. I think there's a 2021 year next to the title. It's called The Courier. Uh, It stars Benedict Cumberbatch and I forget the the actress's name, Rachel something. Uh, the the one from uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, she's in it, and uh, I don't think a couple more small actors, but that's it. But it's actually a period piece, no surprise there. It's set in the Cold War. It's actually set right around the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it's about uh, a Russian uh, uh, informational source, whatever. Not not spy, but somebody who like would want to defect, and they're like feeding information to the West. 
and they're having a hard time getting the information because he's stuck in Russia right? he works like a government job. And so they, they hire a versus having a spy go over there. They actually employ a businessman, a British businessman who kind of travels internationally. And they're like, you go over there and you handle like the drop-offs and the pickups. And, and that's Benedict Cumberbatch. And he goes over there and he forms a, a good rapport with the guy. Um, and then uh, it becomes, a, oh, are they going to get caught? Uh, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to catch him in Russia? Are they going to uh, catch the guy? Are they going to catch him both? And yada, yada, yada. And it's a true story. I, I forget the gentleman's name, the, the, the British guy and the spy. But it's a true story of... Um, this uh you know intel source from from russia it was really good it was a good uh, kind of espionage type film uh wasn't too wasn't too tense could use maybe a little more tension uh but uh, i i enjoyed it it was it was good so that's the one i had to break into three chunks but i finally finished it i think around tuesday or wednesday uh, with the boy and uh, it was good I, I liked it it was kind of right up my alley so uh, if you like espionage films, if you like Cold War mm-hmm. films, then uh, it's a must watch. Um, I would liken it sort of to like Bridge of Spies, you know, which you know, mm. doesn't blow you away really. But if it's kind of a setting that you would like, and if you like uh, old uh, Benedict there, I would I would give it a watch. So, you know, a good three and a half stars out of five, something like that. Hmm. Do you remember Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? I do. I actually really, I really like that film. Uh, this one's not as quiet and meandering as that one. That one was okay. a little more subtle. This one feels mm-hmm. a little more popcorny, just a little bit, uh, a little more okay. for, for mainstream audiences. So, but similar vein. Uh, so, yeah, right in that that wheelhouse. If you could, there might in, in twenty years, it'll probably be a box uh, set. They won't have box sets, but whatever that is, a digital box set, and it'll have like Tinker Tailor, it'll have like Bridge of Spies, it'll have this movie, that sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Not, not bad but i actually i watched another movie we watched one on friday night uh, another 2021 movie man i'm making good progress uh quiet place two so have you seen the first one? Ooh, this one and want to see the second one yeah yeah second one's good second one's good uh there was there's some good things about it there were some things I, i'm not gonna say i didn't like but i was kind of surprised they didn't do so uh the big thing is that they do some flashbacks, which is cool. They do some flashbacks to like when the creatures showed up, uh, which was, which was pretty cool. And, uh, and then mm. uh, they kind of take the story from like, right when the other one ended, there's not like a big time jump, which I kind of don't like. I kind of like when things pick up right where the last one left off. Um, so you can, Wait, you um, said there is, there is a gap. No gap picks up right, right at the end of the first one. Uh, oh, okay. with exception of the flashbacks, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. it's good. It stars. Uh, there's only one additional. Well, there's a couple additional characters at the end, but uh, there's really only one main character kind of replacing, you know, the, the void of John Krasinski and it's Killian Murphy, uh, you know, who's mm-hmm. famous for um, well, a lot of small roles. But I, I guess mainstream people would know him from uh, not one of my uh, Scarecrow from the Batman series. Scarecrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Peaky Blinders. He's the yeah, star. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The star of Peaky Blinders. That's right. That's where he's he's big from. But uh, it was good. Had had the same good tension of the other one. Um, you know, doing a lot of good stuff just around not making noise. So it was it was it was impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think the things I didn't like about it were um, 
they did some um, like like I said some flashbacks about when the creatures showed up but it was just kind of like when they first showed up and like the initial craziness like the first couple hours and that was it so they didn't do anything from like how did they start to hide and find out don't make noise and all that kind of stuff they didn't really flesh that out that might be a quiet place three uh kind of a thing so mm. um that and then in addition to that there was no real kind of discovery like there was in the first one when they found out that her 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 spoiler here for 10 seconds when her earpiece right cause a frequency that mm-hmm. caused the creatures to not be able to function mm-hmm. there wasn't there was nothing like that at the end uh it was more about them surviving a certain scenario and something like that so okay. that was kind of it and then honestly it was a little emotional for me and holly we both watched it was because the baby's there now and they're trying to protect right. the baby and they're throwing it in the box and they're giving it the oxygen it's like oh my god i can't even imagine you know uh stuff like that so it, it hit this one this time it hit a little more close to home than the uh than the mm-hmm. other one so but it was good I, I i liked it if you like if you like the first one you got to watch the second one that that's pretty much how i would tee it up good for them good for john krasinski and emily blunt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah if it goes the way of most horror or or thriller i mean make multiple more yeah. movies from it yeah yeah but, but this one's real character based you know it, it, it kind of feels mm-hmm. in vain of like the the track that john wick went down it was like a cool idea Uh, cool idea and people are all like Mm -hmm. not cool idea great idea and then great execution like love every minute of it give us more you know and it's like okay yeah Mm -hmm. there's a little bit more and so i I feel like there's going to be another one um or something like that so yeah it was uh it was good got a little bit into uh got, got a little bit into um some not so savory people in the apocalypse they kind of mm. so they started going on mm-hmm. that angle of like uh you know people humans being humans so yeah i feel like we need more comedians making thrillers and movies because it seems to work out okay is that a, is that a jordan peele reference uh-huh yeah yeah and then you know john krasinski jim's funny he's a funny character and i yeah. feel like this is a, a a different role no that's so. that's true comedians do do tend to be able to go that route i i would cite barry which is kind of like a tense crime drama with mm-hmm. bill Hader. that's uh you know is i i binged that in about a week it was it was it was that good so crime crime pays that's one that is on my to watch list. Oh, you got to watch Barry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to watch Barry. Well, circling back to our current topic here. So I finally put on True Detective a couple of weeks ago and I burned through that first season. Once I got rolling on it, I just didn't want to, didn't want to wait, didn't want to, you know, hesitate to find out what was going to happen. So went through that whole series in a weekend, I think. And then since then, I am now about to finish up on season three. So watched all of them really fast. I feel like they're each so different from one another. And I saw some some reviews of the second season just talking about how, how far it uh, kind of strayed from the initial formula of season one. Okay. And so 
I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, what makes up a true detective series. Season three is much closer to season one in kind of the chemistry of the characters and the case that they're working. So I, I kind of hope going forward, we'll see something closer to that. Uh, but, how would uh, you, how, how would you rank the seasons? Cause I've, I've only seen the first one, uh, which I love. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, where, is it possible to go straight to three, you know, or. Yes. So if I were to watch these, there is a very, very small, just throwaway reference to the first season in season three. But if I were new to the show coming to it, I think I would actually watch season three, then season two, and then finish up with season one. Oh, really? You'd go reverse? Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, I mean, if I were to rank them, I think season one is still the strongest. Season two is by far the weakest. Just. Okay just because of kind of the plot line they went with it's mm-hmm. it's very different hmm. okay I'm, I'm interested now now i feel like that with that sign off from you i think if i do start one here shortly um it'll be season three so um now if you watch season two just not knowing what true detective is at all i mean it's a solid tv show it's yeah. interesting and there's a lot of good action in it it's just very different from mm. other, you know, the, the first season. Yeah. I feel like the, um, it's been a while. Is there a fourth one in, in the works? I saw that they are working on it. Okay. It, okay. it is something that's, you know, they're working on writing, what it, they're wanting to put something together. And it makes sense because I think they've been fairly successful. I saw that uh, Matthew McConaughey and uh, and Woody Harrelson were credited as executive producers on season three. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't notice that if they were not on season two, but on season three they were. Hmm. That uh, the most recent season was actually filmed in our neck of the woods here. It was uh, filmed down around the Fayetteville region of Northwest Arkansas yeah. and. A friend of Madeline and I's actually uh, scouted some of the locations for it. That's cool. Neat, neat gig, you know, to be be able to say that you uh, took part in that in any small way. Yeah, it's really cool. No, that's pretty cool. And then our friend Patrick apparently met Stephen Dorff when he was down in Fayetteville. That's right. I remember him talking about me. That's why Stephen he met Dorf. him. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's. Uh... That's crazy. Um, so uh, I am going to do a quick headphone switch here. Why don't you tell everybody what exactly we are drafting drafting for um, True Detective? Okay. So trying to nail down the five components that make up a, se- a series for True Detective, we are going to pick our two lead detectives, a villain, a location for the series and a crime. So those are the five things that we're looking for. And so what do you think of drafting the detectives first off? Absolutely. Do you feel like that, that will give, 
yeah, that'll give well, you a better idea of where you're headed. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm down with drafting everything at the same time. I think that's, I like that method. I know Paul's not a fan of that, but he's not here. I, I like if we did things together. Um, mm-hmm. So right. I don't know. Something tells me, something tells me um, location, crime, detectives, villain. I don't know. Like, I feel like knowing the crime and the location (laughs) makes the actors Mm -hmm. in the role fit. Like, you'll, you'll, like, or else we'll just Mm -hmm. be saying actors will be like, yeah, that's a good actor. Like, I don't know what they're doing, though. So maybe we do the setting first. I think that's a great plan. Yeah. All right. So I don't have a coin. Actually, I do. I have a quarter here. All right. What do you call? I'll call heads. And it got an extra bounce when I flipped it. Heads it is. Heads. I'll go <laughs> second. I'll go second. Okay. All right. So what, what are you so going to start off with? The, the crime or the setting? The setting, I think. Setting. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I told Cameron before we started recording that getting the wheels turning for this show and trying to come up with cast. I kind of had to figure out some different plot lines I want to follow. And I feel like I've got ideas for two or three seasons, but I am settled on one and I am going to try to link it in with some of the other series somehow. And I'll try to allude to that without spoiling anything for Cameron since he hasn't seen uh, two and three yet. Okay, so for the setting that I'm going with, I am choosing the border area in Arizona. So the border between Arizona and Mexico. We decided that we wouldn't uh, get into the nitty gritty and and pick a specific town because usually the show covers quite a a range. They drive around a lot and... uh, look at a lot of different locales in an area. So that's that's the area that my crime is going to take place in. And that's where our detectives are going to be doing a lot of their work. I like that. I love a good Southwest setting. Um, it, you know, it almost feels like a, you know, something like um, No Country for Old Men, or hell or high water you know there's a lot of there's a lot of recent stuff that uh that that, that takes place in that kind of border border state area uh, Mm -hmm. western you know it's not it's not like south like south southeast you know like uh, the deep south it's got a different feel you know kind of ranchy feeling um uh, great settings uh for scenery so there's lots of great open expansive shots you can get good cinematography out there with um, really sprawling deserts. So uh, great, great dust work on, on car chases is Mm -hmm. always a good staple of that, of that um, uh, kind of a setting and genre. So I I like it. I think that's a great setting. I I would gravitate toward that movie just based on it being a Southwestern kind of a feel. So I think that's uh, that's Mm -hmm. really cool. No country for old men is one of my favorite Coen brothers movies. And I love how 
how they don't put too much music in that. And I feel like I would want to do the same and kind of let the, the landscape speak for itself. There's just a lot of nice, uh, I guess, Foley work capturing the sounds of mm. the landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's a good one. That's, I, I, I've read the book. I love Cormac McCarthy and, and his, his, both his books that I've read were really good. And I thought both the films were actually really good as well. Um, there's a writer, American screenwriter, Taylor Sheridan, which I, I really like. And I feel like he loves this setting because he wrote Sicario, which is kind of similar, mm. you know, El Paso area, mm-hmm. so that, that West Texas area. He wrote Hell or High Water. Um, so, and he's a, he's a writer on Yellowstone. So maybe he kind of likes that ranchy kind of stuff as well. So uh, he's also mm-hmm. written uh, Wind River, which if you haven't seen it, is kind of the same genre, but it takes place like up in like the Dakotas uh and and during the winter but kind of still the same kind of like desert in the sense of there's an open expanse type of a setting uh you know not not like an urban area or even a density mm-hmm. possibly very very open the characters are very introverted and very isolated when they're out and about so just a shout out there to taylor sheridan he's done some good work but i love this i love the southwest setting i think that's a great setting for without giving away what's the setting and I, i'm sure i wouldn't give it away what's the setting of season two for um well if, in case people don't know season mm-hmm. one takes place in uh kind of the bayou area right mm-hmm. louisiana uh season three we've already mentioned is in northwest arkansas the 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 lower ozark region so where, where's season two season two is out in the la area oh like uh mm-hmm. like city area like a, yes a really mm-hmm. urban mm-hmm. oh okay huh Interesting. Okay. So yeah, very different in that regards also. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Well, I love it. Um, I could tell you were passionate about this subject. Um, I, uh, I like true crime. I'm not like in love with it, but, uh, so I I don't think I did quite as much research, uh, as you did, but I do like my setting. Uh, nothing says murder like a murder in Savannah. (laughs) So I'm going with uh, the Savannah region. I was kind of toiling with uh, Savannah and like Charleston or even kind of like Myrtle Beachy, North Carolina. So I'm, I'm thinking the Atlantic coast of the, the, the South. Of the, mm-hmm. the, the, so something very antebellum-esque looking, uh, kind of old Southy looking, uh, kind of plantation-y. So uh, that, that was kind of what I was going with. Something where, you know, the locals are the type of locals that have been local for generations. So mm-hmm. there's just, if you're an outsider, there's just something you're not going to fit in and they're going to, they're going to know something you don't know. And that's why I'm going with a, a, a Southern, a Southeastern city. And there's something about being near the water that I find very um, intimidating, right? Uh, something about people can take you out on a boat, um, oh yeah you know, people can mm-hmm. get away that sort of thing so i wanted it touching water wanted a southern uh area now they already had season one in, in louisiana so i wanted to stay away from the gulf coast so i went over on the on the atlantic side there and uh, i'm gonna go with savannah so you might have madeline's vote already just for alluding to the office that's right a little reference there to um i believe i don't know the episode but it's when 
that Michael's trying to distract everybody from the fact that like the branch may close or that the company right. may mm -hmm. like go under. And mm -hmm. so he does one of those murder mystery things uh, yes. to find the killer. And it's called a murder in Savannah and everybody's trying to do a, uh, a Southern accent. And the best one is Oscar when he can't. Yes. It. And he's yes. like, they're, they're, they're on this, this, this plantation. plantation. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. He pitches his voice up an octave or more. <laughs> It's so crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe Andy Bernard is uh, on your cast list for this show. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> he, he'll be the, the 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 on set linguist because he talks about mm, you know. Okay. It's got a little bit of draw versus like South Carolina where it's like there's molasses on the back of your throat. You know. Yeah. Actually, there's a great bit. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this guy, but some of his stuff is kind of funny in a very meta way. Uh, Fred Armisen yes, does, uh -huh. does a bit where he talks about how he can do any accent on mm -hmm. demand. It's all, it's all BS. <laughs> like he'll, he'll be like, somebody will say like, um, uh, uh, Mississippi, you know, like, Mississippi, Mississippi kind of, it kind of, kind of bounces like this, a Mississippi. There's say another one that'd be all like North Carolina, North, North Carolina rolls. It kind of rolls like in North mm -hmm. Carolina. It's a funny bit. I think it's on Jimmy. I think it's on the night show, but um, yeah, we're going to have fun with the accents. I think you're going to enjoy this, yes. this season just by the accents alone um, from the, from the mayor to the sheriff, right. To the, like the, the church lady kind of thing. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be pretty drenched in that uh, Savannah accent. So, yeah, murder in Savannah. So what year are you wanting this to take place? Ooh. That's one well, thing I like I'm, so much about True Detective is that it kind of can bounce around, at least in a couple different settings yeah you uh, know, time time periods within the same show yeah when it comes to like uh true crime in the rural south or the mm -hmm. the the not so urban south not not like a city but uh, uh you know suburban south i really think and we're gonna see a lot of this is that you gotta set this stuff in the 80s or 90s if you want it modern because you don't want the cell phone aspect of it to mm -hmm. kind of interfere with crime it'll be interesting how people start to do crime when nowadays they're like, Oh, we'll just ping his cell phone. Where was he? Or stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's hard to do detective uh, storytelling when it's just all kind of technological te technologically based right now. So I'm thinking late eighties, early nineties, something like that. Mm. Um, right. Where I feel like, obviously I was not a mature adult, but I feel like that's when America was like, okay, that old South was from like 30 years ago. It's not around anymore, uh, but it kind of was if you're actually there, you know? So this will be kind of going into that world of uh, still kind of clinging to the old, uh, the old South there in Savannah, you know, early nineties or so. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love a good accent and I think that, uh, it's it's good for the rest of the nation to slow down and listen to Southerners talk. I think they like to. I think they like it as long as they're not saying something too insulting or uh, yeah. demeaning. Yeah. And so as long as they're not burning lowercase T's, you know. Oh my gosh. Else, so, so. 
in that in that bit that Fred Armisen does, I think he talks about Arkansas's accent, and he says it's real percussive. Yeah, it's real percussive. Arkansas percussive. <laughs> Go down to Little Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a it's a good bit. He's she's blowing smoke. He's he's making it all up as he goes. Some of them are pretty good though. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a linguist. I can't really tell you the difference between the the different um, accents, but uh, yeah, that's good. So. Well, in typical two draft fashion, let's not snake. So let's go back to you. Okay. All righty. So next up, we're going to start with the crime. And counter to, to you here, I am actually going to set this in contemporary times. And I want to do so because I do want to play with some of the past seasons. So mm-hmm. I kind of want my series to, to incorporate and build on them a little bit. And so my crime here, it relates to uh, immigration and and people crossing uh, through the deserts. There was a really, really powerful art show at Crystal Bridges called Border Contos. And it came here, oh, more than five years ago. No, I don't think so. I think think it was like uh, three or four years ago. I'll cut that. I don't need to refute you, but I saw it. It was very moving. You think it was that recent? I only say that because Holly was with me. Oh, and, okay. And so, I, so that would have had to be 2016 at the earliest. So maybe five years, maybe something like that. Let's see. Uh, okay. It looks like it's 2017. Okay. Around then around 2017. So yeah, just just over four years. So the artists that were featured uh, were Richard Mizrak and uh, Guillermo Galindo. And Mizrak's work featured photographs of the border area. And he covered miles and miles and found all kinds of objects around to photograph. And then Galindo would find all the objects different things that were left in the desert and constructed instruments from them. So this was really inspiring. Uh, just it, it's powerful to see will go through to get to the U S and I feel like some of the, the instrumentation from Galindo could be used in the show. Uh, it's, it's kind of eerie. And it, uh, it's made from just random objects. So it, it's much different. Mm. But one of the, uh, the photos, it featured the water barrels that are out in the desert. Some humanitarians put yeah. water out there to help keep people alive. And then the other side of the coin, you've got these people that self-appoint Uh, They think it's their job to police the area and they'll go and shoot holes in these barrels Mm -hmm. and let the water out. So what I'm thinking is my crime will be discovered from these people putting holes in the barrels. And this one's not going to leak water the same way because there's going to be a person inside. Oh, getting getting detailed from the get go. Yeah. yeah, we're going to discover this person inside. And I don't know how, I guess I got to get right into it. So what I'm thinking is 
uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a white female and she's going to be younger. And the way that we're going to also be able to ID this person is from cell phone. So the people that maybe shoot the barrel and discover that there's someone in there, don't report it because they're not doing something legal out in the desert anyway. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to actually track this person down from pinging their cell phone, but it's not actually her phone. So what I'm thinking is it's someone of the same age and is a friend of someone who has disappeared. And what I'm wanting to do is to uh, pull in some government officials. In the first season, we see allusion to some nefarious plots uh, involving trafficking. And so I think uh, for my series, we're going to have the daughter of an official kidnapped while she's on vacation in Mexico, like spring breaking. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be thought that it's her that's discovered in the desert. We're going to later find that it's a friend. So it's, it's trying to figure out who's murdered this friend and where this girl is. Hmm. So that's going to be the main crime here. We're going to kind of unfold and find out why this official is involved and uh, who, who actually killed this girl. What's going on? Interesting. I like the details. Um, I thought when you texted me, I thought we were actually basing this on a real true crime. I thought that's what you meant. It was. And then I didn't want to actually research this stuff. Like I didn't want to have to find a specific uh-huh. murder because I didn't want to be Googling this stuff and have it show me actually it's you, know, you can research murder that's it. but okay. but by more no it's just like goriness you know i didn't want to see oh oh okay yeah okay well thanks for the heads up because i don't well, have like my own story well that's fine i mean if yeah. it's based on a real true crime then it's it's there for you right yeah so yeah. uh i figure people people get murdered uh or or uh, neglected in the desert all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is a way to tell a larger story. That's what I'm kind of wanting to look at uh, some of the uh, coyotes that do trafficking mm-hmm. and get into some of that with this case. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. There's a, Let's see if I can find it. There was a, I think it was Netflix only um, movie that I watched. Let me check here. It's called Frontera, which is Frontier Frontier in uh, Spanish. Uh, 2014, I think if it's not Netflix only, it was on Netflix. It's kind of a mediocre movie. It looks Mm -hmm. like it's got um, 54% around tomatoes, but stars um, Ed Harris as like a border rancher. Right. And then hmm. uh, Michael Pena and Eva Longoria are migrants okay. that are crossing at different times. But it's about the coyotes and the border 
whatever they're called, what do you call them? Minutemen or whatever they, they call themselves trying to like stop them. And oh yes, like, yeah. in, mm-hmm. in the middle of something like Ed Harris's wife gets killed. So he's trying to figure out who killed his wife and why and yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of in that vein. It was very, it was very interesting. Um, so it kind of feels something mm-hmm. similar to that. Okay. So uh, I, I like it. I think, um, I think that's a good story to tell, uh, especially with migrants um trying to uh, cross the border and then a murder happening in the middle of that in some regard so um uh, there's got to be a twist happening right you definitely going to throw a twist in there somewhere uh you know it wasn't who you thought it was you know a lot, i think a lot of these shows pull that twist of like you think the bad the worst person you've seen so far is probably the murderer they're usually just like a-holes and that the actual murderer mm-hmm. is somebody else you didn't expect you think something mm-hmm. like that's going to happen Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, something that we are are led to believe uh, in the first season, you know, is that there are at least politicians, and I think uh, he's the head of a of a some sort of church, right? They're yes. involved in trafficking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of terrible things. So. I want to link to this organization of, of men uh, as well as something that happens in season two. Okay. Okay. I like it. So we're going to have kind of two different sets of bad guys. So that'll be kind of my way to get a twist in there. No, that's good. I like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't go with uh, a legit true crime. <laughs> I was like, man, he's telling a story here. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's all right. Well, well I, 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 yeah, I'm interested to see what you actually found doing research for this. Well, thing. you know, I don't do a lot of true crime. I'm not. I, I do like true crime. I, I really do, but I don't seem to be quite on that bandwagon like other people are. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have that much experience. We probably could have had, we probably could have had Elena on yeah, here if ex- they weren't traveling. It's exactly what I was about to say. I, I don't, yeah, I don't have the experience. Probably Elena, uh, our one-time uh, guest host for the uh, serial killer episode. Uh, mm-hmm. so she's she's really into that. So um, I, I don't quite have that. So I don't, I couldn't, I didn't have a plethora of examples to just pull from. Uh, but there was one I listened to. Uh, my, my mother subscribes to a publication, a magazine called Texas Monthly that she really likes. And so it kind of, it's a little Southwestern actually, uh, Michael. So, but um, there's yeah. a murder in there about a young man, a high schooler named Tom Brown. And I think the writer uh, for the article ended up doing a seven part podcast uh, around the true crime called Tom, Tom Brown's Body. Uh, really interesting story it's a small west texas town i think it's called canada canada texas because i kept thinking canada it's not in canada it's it's called canada texas uh small town good old town you know football americana apple pie kind of thing this boy i I don't know if he's like a sophomore or junior in high school just one day goes missing and and they find his like ford bronco parked somewhere and then they find his backpack on a trail somewhere um and you know the 
sheriff is quote unquote investigating it. Uh, and then it's kind of like, well, the sheriff's kids weren't real chummy with him. Um, and then uh the family is kind of concerned it's not being investigated hard anymore because they couldn't find the body. And so they hire like mm-hmm. a private detective from Dallas. And this private detective is, uh, is um, he's all flash. Like he's kind of in it for the flash. Like he kind of mm-hmm. gloats about the, the crime recognition. Yeah. The crimes he's solved, what he's done. He's a real kind of salesman kind of guy. So he rolls into this kind of West Texas. He's like, I'm going to figure it out. I don't trust the sheriff. Yada, yada, yada. And um, I don't believe the crime is solved. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't even okay. know if the body was ever found. I think. I okay. think the evidence has said like somebody killed him, but they don't really know who because they're like, why would he park here? Why would he walk over there and leave his bag? Uh-huh. Um, and then in all the research, the mm-hmm. kid had some kind of atypical sexual habits uh and kinks and you gotta wonder in a small west texas town is that the kind of stuff that causes people to kind of rough house with you and then maybe go too far uh and somebody gets hurt you know hazing or something Mm -hmm. like that you you don't know so um really interesting story that i think probably more often than we're led to believe goes unsolved which is probably like a more common than we're mm-hmm. believe. I don't know. I don't let's do enough true crime to know that. Do they always solve it? Do they always kind of come to a conclusion or are some of them kind of left out in the open? So um, it's called Tom. It's the death of Tom Brown. Uh, the podcast I would recommend is called Tom Brown's body seven parts uh, real easy to listen to. If you got like a good 30 minute drive, you can just knock one out every day. Um, so it'll be a good, a good listen to. Um, really peculiar and uh, really, really interesting. So going with a a young teenager's death in a kind of small community um, that is going unsolved. Uh, And so an outsider to a degree kind of comes in. Um, Not that that person is like the moral compass of the area, just another character to throw into the the stew of Mm -hmm. characters that already exist here. So your pairing you think you're going to have a PI and a sheriff working together or those are the two that your, your show will focus on? I, I think I'm going to, well, I could do it either way. I was going to, so the PI comes in and he kind of brings his couple of investigators or whatnot with him. So that's who I was going to cast. Cause those are more the protagonists. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, I, I I'm when I cast my villain, I'm not saying it's the sheriff. It might be a community member. Um, Cause there were also some high community members that the people were like, why is this person, you know, supporting the sheriff and whatnot and yada, yada, yada. So I'm just going to cast an actor uh, to be the villain that, that might be the sheriff. I haven't really made that up yet. They might be just a, a, a sketchy community member from the PI standpoint. So I'm, I'm casting the investigators as the outside uh pis and then um and then uh, i'm just going to cast the villain without kind of the the denouncing it and i'm not i'm not going to use that you know if i were to make the show i would not exclusively make a tom brown story i'm just going to use that as the inspiration so kind of young teen death in a in a rural southern community missing or a young teen missing likely dead 
presumed dead. Yeah. I feel like the lack of body, you see that in a lot of cases that they attribute it to someone running away. Yeah. And they stop trying to find out what actually happened. That, that's, so that's, I feel, yeah, that's what they say. That's what they are. They're like, he's, you know, he's, he's probably up in Missouri, something, something, some BS like that. And I feel like you're going to have a lot of fun in your, in your series trying to, I guess, uh, get anything out of this close knit Southern community. I imagine everyone's going to be real tight lipped talking to your outside oh, yeah. PIs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're going with the kind of the something from around 30 years ago, a little bit more where, I mean, now, you know, no matter where you are in the country, nobody's that much of an outsider. I mean, we all got the internet, but back then, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to be an outsider. It's a lot easier to close off your community. So that's why I want to go with like that early nineties setting. Yeah. I think that's a good choice. So there we go. Uh, Michael gave us a nice um, homemade true crime. Mine's based off of a uh, Tom Brown disappearance, which is really, I'm just going to tee up as a, a, a local um, teen uh, missing, presumed dead kind of scenario. All right. Uh, what's next? Uh, investigators, detectives? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think let's go with, so I wanted to cast uh, a Spanish-speaking actor or actress, and I, uh, you know, looked around, and I think that I want Michelle Rodriguez for one of my detectives. I feel like she can embody a really tough character, and I want her to... Uh, to be contemporary. So with mine, we're going to have flashbacks, but with this particular character, she's young enough where I think maybe this will be the first time we see, well, I, I take that back. We do see some flashbacks in season two with other actors. So we're going to have a different actress uh, playing her as like a child if, if we do some flashbacks with her. Does that make sense? So we'll look back like okay, 15, she, 20 years. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So she's going to be the detective workers case here in rural uh, Arizona at the border. What's, what's her biggest role? I, I know her. I have, I, I have her face in my mind. I'm just trying to remember what do I know her from? I feel like I've seen her in so, so many talk shows. I just trying to remember why she was on there. What was she promoting? She's been in the Fast and Furious series. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen. Too but many. she's just been in a lot of of uh, action movies. So let me pull up her IMDb really quick and just read off some of her biggest roles. Um, so she's been in multiple Fast and Furious. Maybe all of them. Hmm. And then she was in Avatar, the James Cameron. Huge oh, movie. yep, yep, yep. You're right. Yep. She, she was the pilot in that. Yep. Uh, she's been Resident Evil. 
So uh, what a lot you, of action movies. SWAT. Do you think you're going out on a little bit of a limb here with a uh, more of a kind of a popcorny action star uh, for this? probably more traditional stagey actor type of a, a role in production? I don't know. I wanted someone that would exude that tough and actually look like she could have served in the military mm-hmm. and then is now kind of a hard, uh, you know, police officer in the, mm-hmm. in the desert region. If we do this right... I'm a fan of the spaghetti Western and how they cut out as much dialogue as possible. And I feel like that can really amplify someone's acting ability. Mm. She's able to just put on, you know, that squinty face and look like she's thinking kind of like Clint Eastwood used yeah. to do. I feel like, I feel like we'll be in good shape. Hmm. And for, for her other the other detective she's playing off of, I, I think that mm, I feel like they're going to have a, a good dynamic and maybe uh, the other person's going to do a lot, a lot of the talking. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know some of her roles, she's a little quieter. She's a little more tough, plays like the tough, the tough mm-hmm. character. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Okay, uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, that should be should be interesting. A big hefty role. Maybe it's the kind of thing that could push her, you know, towards more dramatic roles. Kind of true. Thing, you know, uh, I feel like this is the time in uh, in her career to do that. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm anxious to hear kind of what age character you're going for because that's one thing that makes True Detective so much fun is the de-aging and then making characters look older than they are. So I wanted to be someone that, you know, wasn't super young. De-aging? What do you mean? uh, Did they do that in season one? In season three, we actually occupied three different times. I'll tell you, man, this, yeah, this de-aging thing is, is, is only going to get more intense. So, um, Mm-hmm. It's because I mean, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with Tron. You. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tron was actually pretty good. Tron is kind of like a secret, not Tron, Tron Legacy, uh, but a um, kind of mm-hmm. a uh, secret guilty pleasure for me. I actually like that movie, and I, I actually I. I I I I, didn't, I I wish it was more. I, I, there was times where I was like, oh, I wish they did that, but I think it sounds great and I think it looks mm-hmm. great, and I think mm-hmm. that really helps quell my kind of issues with it. Um, so right, I, I really like Tron Legacy. I wouldn't have needed any acting in that movie. Yeah, the music and the visuals were just spectacular, and some good sequences, really mm-hmm. good sequences, um, both when they're like operating vehicles and and not. So, but anyway. Um, check out what? Tron Tron Uprising. Check out Tron Uprising on Disney Plus. It's what an animated that? series, okay. and it's a season long. Elijah Wood is the voice of the main character. Huh? What does it fit in the universe? And by the universe, I mean the two movies. Yeah. 
I'll do some research. I love Tron. Uh, I love both Trons. Olivia Olivia Wilde's character is in it a little bit. Okay. And so is Clue. And so I feel like I feel like it's bef- so it's definitely before Legacy. Mm-hmm. It's before Tron Legacy, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but well after the first Tron movie. Boy, I, I stink at this uh this job. I haven't written down a single thing on our draft board. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so uh the US you're in the uh Arizona American border southwest border area. I am in Savannah. I don't know if that's it. Savannah. Savannah. I think two N's A H. Okay. There you go. Uh, and then you had well, well. How would you summarize your? So I could fit in this text box. Like college age person found in desert. Young victim found in desert amongst usual border characters. So migrants, uh, militia men, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, uh, I kind of did Tom Brown's body, aka missing teen. Okay. So I have two, obviously two detectives. Um, I'm going with a strategy of while they're both coming from the outside, one of them is somewhat familiar with the community. Um, so one of them maybe is from Georgia um, or, or from mm-hmm. South Carolina or from the, the Southern Atlantic coast. The other one is, is completely kind of foreign to the area. So uh, which one would you like to hear first? Let's do the person that's from the area. Okay. So, I'm going to take somebody. I hope they can do a decent Southern accent. They're a great actor, so I think they can. Uh, I think we're going to see this actor in a lot more stuff. Uh, so I've, I've, I've liked what he's done so far. I'm taking John Bernthal, which I first saw as Shane from The Walking Dead. Um, he also had, he's probably more famous known now as The Punisher. Mm. Um, he's yeah. had various roles. Um, he was in Fury, uh, the World War II tank movie with, with Brad Pitt. He was with in Wolf of Wall Street as one of Leo's friends. Um, he was in Baby Driver, uh, the, uh, the, the car movie there, as one of the, uh, the robbers or whatnot. Really talented actor. Uh, I think he can mm-hmm. really, really be both intimidating and social. He has his characters. Um, very approachable and then very frightening at times. So um, he's going mm-hmm. to be my Southern detective uh, with this pairing detective. So he has a little more, you know, and, and I don't know if these detectives are like maybe like uh, state detectives or federal detectives or something like that um, or something like that. But he uh, kind of gets the vibe of the area. Uh, a little bit more he's able to kind of maybe explain it to the other detective you know what's uh you know oh well, they're probably all at the football game because it's friday and you know whatever you know crap like that but um he'll be the more local detective um not local mm-hmm. the more 
understanding of the kind of dynamics in towns like this and in an area like this detective. So John, John Bernthal is going to be um, one of my two detectives. I feel like he's able to exude a quiet intensity. Mm -hmm. I feel like in Punisher, he's reserved and doesn't have a lot of lines in time in, in, in areas of the show, but you feel him seething mm -hmm. and depending on where you want this character to go, that could really be an asset. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really good. I'm looking at his, now I'm looking at his um, filmography. He's done a lot more than I, I even remember. He was in uh, uh, me Earl and the dying girl, Sicario, uh, the accountant, Wind River, which I referenced earlier, uh, was a, a, a favorite of mine. And Ford, Ford v. Ferrari. I forget who he played. Oh, he played Lee Iacocca. Look at that. Huh. What? Yeah, forgot about that. So, uh, and, oh, he's in the upcoming Sopranos movie this year, The Many Saints of Newark. He plays uh, mm. one of the, obviously, the, the, the new Sopranos movie is, I think, set 30, 20, 25 years prior to the show. It's a young Tony Soprano. Okay. Um, and then he okay. plays his, uh, at the time of the show, his elderly uncle, but he plays his middle age uncle in the movie. So uh, it's coming up. So it should be interesting. So I'm excited uh, for all the stuff that he's going to be in in the future here. And I'm excited to have him on my season, John Bernthal. Yeah. Can't wait to hear that Savannah accent. You're in Savannah now. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, Michael, uh, let's go detective number two. Okay. Detective number two for me in similar fashion. I want someone that brings in kind of knowledge of the area. And so I was looking for uh, native American actors and came across this person and uh i've seen him in, in a lot of different things now i'm going with zan mclarnon does that name sound familiar to you at all it doesn't i'm gonna check out a uh, picture of him so he said he's lakota sioux so i'm i'm putting him in kind of the wrong area of the country and I apologize for that. Yeah, do you think uh, you think I, all uh, uh, Native Americans and American Indian tribes are pretty much the same? Yeah, no, I, I do not. So, <laughs> uh, I tried to search for some actors that are from that specific area and did not. Uh, I I believe was not very successful. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll talk after you get your pick in. So this is a fantastic actor. He's been in Longmire. He's in Fargo. Uh, I think I maybe kind of first noted him as a, as a leading figure when he starred an episode of Westworld and he's in the new series reservation dogs. So he's, he's done a lot of different uh, styles of, of uh, role. And uh, I watched an interview with him in prep for the show and he seems like an incredibly personal person and very kind. So feel like he's going to be 
great on the set to work with too. Hmm. So he's a little bit older than Michelle Rodriguez. And so when I was talking about that relationship that they have, I kind of want him to be the lead and he knows the area and he's, he's been a detective for a longer period of time. And so maybe he's kind of uh, showing her the ropes for some of this stuff and like how to communicate with uh, people in this area. Okay. That's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. You don't get not a lot of, um, Native American actors in in uh, media, so it's good to 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 have them. Um, I, I was thinking of an actor. He's not. He's not. I thought he was um, aired from the Navajo tribe, which is you know in the New Mexico area, Arizona area. But he he did not. So, um, so uh, I'm, I'm not even gonna to bring him up. So I don't know of an American Indian from a southwestern tribe. Uh, you know, Navajo, Apache. Comanche, anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate if there was one that that, that would uh, that would be interesting. I, I don't think I've seen this guy. I haven't watched Longmire. I didn't watch the second season of Westworld. Uh, oh, never, okay. I've never watched Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Um, yeah, so I, I have. I started seen... that show. Yeah, and it is good. Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, I've I, watched I, three episodes of it and it's yeah? funny. Okay. Yeah. Check it out. Okay. Uh, oh. Ah, uh, I have seen Bone Tomahawk. And I do. I, okay. I know the character he was in that. Bone Tomahawk. I have never seen a movie like that before. And while I actually thought the movie was really good, I don't think I ever want to see a movie like that again. I'm just going to say that. So if I'm you want, not you, familiar with it. Is you, it just really it, violent? It is an, it's a Western. It's got, uh, Kurt Russell, oh, Kurt Russell, yeah, Kurt yeah. Russell, Richard Jenkins. Um, another, it's not Chris Pratt, but it's like a tall, uh, middle America looking white guy. I forget what his name is. He, he kind of looks like Chris Pratt, but, um, it, you think it's going one way, like a typical kind of modern Western, mm-hmm. and boy, does it it it, it hangs a it hangs a sharp left turn, which I find to be actually pretty effective, but mm-hmm. just to be transparent, uh, quite graphic and, and gory. Okay. Uh, and uh, and you can kind of get that from some of the earlier scenes, the fact that they're not going to shy away from gore, but at the the last. The, uh, the the last kind of thirty minutes of the film. I mean, they it kind of put that on steroids. It's almost and, like a Tarantino ending. Yes, yes, but not like like Tarantino's almost like campy the way he does it. Yeah, like, you, you like you can eat popcorn while watching a Tarantino movie, it, even during the bloodiest scenes to a degree. Um, well, maybe not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not me. <laughs> but it's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, shoot him, Django, that sort of thing, and you know, blood going everywhere, or you know, shoot those Nazis in the face, that sort of thing. It's okay. kind of, I guess, he kind of sets it up to be a little more like, haha, uh, enjoy this blood fest. But this is kind of like, you know, holy crap, like what is going on? Um, so, but anyway, as far as this actor goes, I, I'm interested. I'm really interested. I, I don't have a problem with this, but I don't know if you're executive producers or studio with, you know, a lot of mainstream stuff out there. They kind of force you to have a white protagonist 
in the in your group of protagonists you know it's one of those things of like can't have like can't have like uh like what was it uh aziz and sorry had that joke in his show where like they were going out for like this police show and they really liked these two guys but they were both indian and they were like we can't have two indian cops they're like why not there's there's more than one indian cop out there's like oh we just can't you know so i don't know if you'll have any pushback from having a, a native american uh and uh and uh hispanic american uh you know being the two protagonists yeah. i would hope not but you know that's something that um that, that might come into play and if it doesn't come into play from a production standpoint it'd be really interesting to see as the dynamic from a storytelling standpoint right two detectives both people of color um how do you know the locals the criminals the people who are just difficult or anybody else interact with them you know so it, it would be really really interesting i am hoping that shows like reservation dogs kind of start to change things I heard a really awesome interview uh, with uh, Terry Gross from one of the writers on the show. And it's, it's, uh, it's writers are all native American and you know, the lead cast is too. So it's, it's, yeah, it's doing some really awesome stuff. That's cool. I'll check it out. Uh, Okay. My second detective. So, uh, just like uh, you wanted a cast member uh, that was, um, I, I believe Michelle Rodriguez is uh, Mexican American, um, and 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 will play uh, you know that type of role in your setting. Uh, I of course wanted an African American uh, in 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 one of my detective roles or in a role, and I'm put, putting them in a detective role um, to go you know down to Savannah. Um, I'm gonna take somebody that you may not know by name. But uh, I really enjoy the timbre of this actor. Uh, I, I think he really mm-hmm. can chew some scenery really well whenever he's acting. Uh, he can he can take long pauses. Um, he can kind of linger with his looks and his movements, um, and it, it feels very detective esque, essentially. And I believe, and he's played a detective. So I don't know if that's going to count against me, but I'm taking, uh, hope I spelled his name right. Hang on. Let me make sure I'm not crazy here. Lance Reddick. Do you know Lance Reddick? You probably. No, not off the top of my head. You probably do. Um, He plays the, I don't know how else to say it. He probably has a character name, but the concierge from the hotel in the John Wick series. Oh, yes. And he also plays, I I forget the detective from The Wire, but he plays one of those lieutenants. I think he plays like their lieutenants. Have you, if you watched The Wire? Mm -hmm. So he plays- I've not. um, Okay, well, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's like their, in their little task force. He's like the leader um, in that, uh, in that group. I'm trying to see what else he's been in. He's in the American Boy, John Wick, John Wick 2, of course, and John Wick 3. Um, Angel has fallen, which I don't know, like, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. I don't remember him in that, but he's supposed to be in that. And of course, he's in John Wick Four, but he just has a great voice. He has a great kind of slow, like I said, meandering movement about him. That mm-hmm. it's like I feel confident and safe, but mostly because I am so careful about the world around me. 
Like I'm not going to get caught with like my, my pants down, you know, metaphorically or anything. So I, I, I mm-hmm. feel secure in what I'm asking and what I'm saying, but that's because I'm really a skeptic at heart. That's kind of how I feel he, he delivers uh, lines, especially in the wire. And I feel that's the, at the very least, I'm going to make that that's how he's going to approach this character. Um, so he'll be kind of like the, you know, maybe from the South, but not quite into this kind of like Savannah lifestyle that's going on. So he's detective, you know, whatever the other detective, not that there's a detective one or detective two, but the two of them are coming in and I'm really tapping into um, a, 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 an old movie that I kind of have mixed feelings about called Mississippi burning with Gene Hackman uh-huh. and Willem Dafoe, right? They go down to, to solve those, those murders, those real life murders in Mississippi of uh, some civil rights activists um, who got killed down there. And Gene Hackman plays the, FBI agent who was like born and raised in Mississippi and Willem Dafoe is of course like the, the whatever the Midwestern FBI agent or whatever and and Gene Hackman's kind of explaining well you can't say that and you can't do that and this is why they're going to tell you this and Willem Dafoe is like we got to solve this crime you know these freaking people down here doing all this crap uh so Lance Reddick he's going to play kind of the Willem Dafoe uh, a little more cosmopolitan a little more uh, on the face, you would think like intellectual uh, and, and kind of a foil to John Bernthal's kind of salt of the earth type detective uh, that he'll be. So that's going to be the dynamic. Lance Reddick, um, like I said, from The Wire, uh, if you've watched The Wire, you'll know him. If you haven't watched The Wire, you got to check it out at least at least once. It's got great reviews. So at least watch the first season. Um, and he's in the John Wick series. Uh, so he's probably, uh, other than John Wick, probably the coolest character in my opinion. So. Yeah, I love the way that he talks in the genres. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I, he's the concierge, but he's so in control. Yeah. And I feel like that as an investigator, that'll be interesting to see him him play off of people that uh, may or may not be guilty in their nerves. Yeah. The, the fact that he's so calm and self-assured. Yeah. I, I, I'm, he's so I'm tapping into a couple of things, right? The dynamic is kind of from Mississippi burning the kind of two walks of life outsider mm-hmm. detectives. Um, but I'm also going to be tapping into in the heat of the night, Sidney Portier's uh, mm-hmm. detective yeah. Tibbs, right? A real well-to-do professional detective walking into an area where people are not going to probably give him the respect he deserves um, and, 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 uh, and, and try to like ruffle his feathers. Um, and, and part of the things he has to overcome are how does he deal with that? How does his fellow detective intervene in that? And how do they kind of navigate those waters? So a little bit of it in the heat of the night for him. And then, uh, the two detectives playing off each other is kind of a Mississippi burning situation. So with at least Lance Reddick, I guess with both of them, I, I think with both of them, you can probably do some pretty interesting work with the aging. I feel like the makeup is <laughs> something I'm fixated on because uh, they do it to varying degrees in the show. Yeah, uh, I feel like the aging in season one was pretty successful. 
Hmm. They made Matthew McConaughey look really terrible. <laughs> Wait, when 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 did they flashback? What was the so the f- quote unquote flashbacks for season one are pretty much how they look. You know, they I'm, they. I'm trying to remember though. I've because there's I remember two timelines. One when the 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 initial like investigation is happening. And then mm-hmm. the other one is like later, right? He's left the force and they're being sort of interrogated or questioned. Right. Right. And so that's, there... that's the, that's the later time when they've done the aging, they kind oh, of graded his oh, hair and gave him longer hair. Oh, they did that. Yeah. I did not know they digitally did that. No, no, not digitally. I think it was makeup. Oh, oh, okay. They aged him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There was no digital so... aging or de-aging. Not no, uh-uh. okay, and I don't think there is. I don't think there is digital uh, anything in season three either. Oh, but they it's do all... it with hairs and makeup. I gotcha. Okay, I thought you were so saying I... there was some digital aging or de aging. Okay, yeah, I think they just give them uh, more hair and you know try to fit with uh, a different style because it it's let's see. The first case, and then it's reopening our 10 years apart, and then we come back to it way later. And so I think the overall series might cover somewhere like 25 years. Hmm, That's really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. With my actors that I've chosen, I looked up, uh, McLarnan is 54, and then Rodriguez is 43 right now. So I feel like both of them are going to be pretty veteran uh, detectives at this point, but McClung's character might be able to help uh, deal with some of. Because I was thinking initially that it might uh, the body might be discovered on on reservation land. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Good, good dynamic. I love um, uh, crimes set kind of in 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 regards to reservations. I think that's just an unexplored dynamic that's really interesting. And uh, that's kind of the case in uh, Wind River, the movie I've referenced now three times. Once because the writer, uh, I forget his name, but the, the one who's done Hell or High Water and Sicario, very Southwest driven, also wrote. And then also because John Bernthal uh, is, is in it. That movie also has uh, uh, most of its settings on a reservation. So that stuff has uh, hmm. always been kind of kind of cool. Mm-hmm um so lance reddick all right we're almost done here i guess we're on to our uh, our villain okay so i've got two two picked out here one is more maybe the more hollywood pick that yeah. a producer might lean toward and one is more i feel like kind of what i'm envisioning uh for like a drug kingpin kind of character uh which one do you think i should lean toward how did you describe the second one just like it's more personal to you but it wouldn't be like flashy on a billboard is that what you mean yeah the very different name recognition still a big actor but just uh more of a character actor let's do that one Okay. All right. So 
the way that my series is going to run, there are going to be going a couple of different directions. So we're going to be looking to the murder, but it's going to be tied to a drug cartel. And the, the person that we're going, we're going to try to go after the, the head of the cartel is going to be played by Luis Guzman. Does right. sound familiar? Oh, I know who right? Luis Guzman is. I, okay. I know, I know okay. who it is. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked, uh, Luis Guzman in uh, in True Detective. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, sell it to me. Sell it to me. Okay, so this is this is why I thought it was you know the less uh, flashy pick for sure, but he is able to play kind of a jovial. Uh, comedic character a lot and the sidekick role we see him in uh, Count of Monte Cristo yeah I remember and I feel like I feel like a villain that can flip a switch between being kind of funny and then being really brutal and gruesome is really horrifying and so I, I kind of think that he could embody that role and be able to play the seriousness. I also just kind of love his appearance. He's got a really furrowed brow. Yeah, it looks intimidating. And he's, uh, he's not like Hollywood pretty. You know, he's not the, the tall leading actor. He's someone that uh, probably really worked to become the kingpin, you know, and is in charge. He's a uh, shorter more portly character and so i just think that this would be a more interesting uh cast for the head of tell i don't know mike I just, <laughs> luis guzman is in so many great fun movies it's gonna be hard seeing you know but good on you if you, if you can make it happen but you know to me that's um that's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just, it, it, he's just such a, a comedic actor. It, 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 mm-hmm. and, and, and you can hear the way he speaks is very kind of like, he has this like great kind of like complaining uh, uh, speech pattern. So, you know, he's kind of the mm-hmm. B character because he's always like, yeah, but we can't do that. Because, nah, nah, nah. Um so I just, I don't, him in a kind of a leading role, I, I, I don't know. Uh, so wasn't it, was it Joe Pesci's role in, in uh, Goodfellas? Yeah. Where, where that kind of thing, like, uh, is a funny character. Okay. But then okay. is also crazy. Okay. That's kind right. of what I'm thinking. All right. That for makes him a little, being, yeah. Yeah. That makes a little more. But sense. he's in charge. He's running the show and he's Behind that the, crazy. Like, and then you don't know that for a while. Right. This yeah. is a person we're trying to get to. Yeah. It looks like he's been in, uh, he was in Carlito's Way with Al Pacino in the That's D3. True. That's true. Um, he's been in serious movies. He's been in The Bone Collector. He's He was in Traffic. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think he's one of those actors that's, really solid and this is going to be something new 
audiences are not going to expect this out of him. And I feel like that's always I, fun I, to see. I think you're right. I think they are not going to expect it out of him. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if they're wrong, man. Luis Guzman as the, uh, the villain in True Detective Season 4. Oh, boy. Um, that is interesting. Um, I'm interested when we get to the alternates, what, what that Hollywood pick was. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think the producers are gonna gonna give you the green light, but well, let's hope it happens. That's, that's <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I kind of gave maybe a, an oversell or something. You didn't seem that enthused about my pick, so let's hear your pick well, for the villain. I, I, just, I just, I'm still shocked. I'm still, I'm still shocked. You know, if somebody's all like, "Just go, did you see that gritty, gritty show, that real dark show? Who's the bad guy? Oh, Luis Guzman. Oh, it's a comedy." It's kind of like a, a dark comp now. So I don't know. It could be good. It could be good. It really could. I don't know. I have to revisit some, some Guzman that, that maybe I, I've, I'm just not okay. thinking of. Uh, but uh, that should be. Should and be who knows? I don't, I don't know if he's done something this dark and dramatic. I That's just true. want him to it, do it. It's and not, I feel like he's capable. It's, it, I, I think you're right. I really do. I think, you know, most actors can do almost anything. They really can. It's just to have the opportunity. I'm just worried that I'm going to see Luis Guzman and be taken out of the, the scene because okay. it's Luis Guzman. That's okay. my concern. It's that, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to put Robert Downey Jr. in a Star Wars movie. You're just going to he's just going to remind you of Anchorman. I mean, not Anchorman, uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. Okay, Iron yeah, Man. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of that thing. It's kind of like they're kind of typecast right now. That's what I'm worried about. Not mm -hmm. Luis as an actor. I mean, mm -hmm. he is Oscar caliber. Mm -hmm. No, he, he's not Oscar caliber. He may be after this show. That's yeah. for sure. Emmy, Emmy award winning. Okay. So I wanted somebody, I want a good old Southern boy, but of course there's not a lot of great Southern actors out there. There's Southern actors, but you know, they're usually a little more popcorn-y because from a drama standpoint, it's hard for them to get so many diverse roles because of their accent. Uh, I, I've kind of had this theory that I don't know if it's true. I'd love to hear a linguist's opinion on it, but each kind of deviation from a base accent makes it harder for you to revert. So just like, it seems like English actors can do fine American accents with no issue. I think that's because like the American accent has kind of branched off from an English accent. And just like American actors who are not Southern can do a Southern accent. That's because it's the subsequent accent in the kind of ladder. You can't, it's hard to go reverse. It's hard for Southerners to do other accents, right? you know whenever i'm outside the south people can always kind of fake a southern accent it's hard for somebody with a real thick southern accent to do anything other than speak the way they are it's hard for americans to do english accents so it's hard to reverse the deviation that's kind of my my thought so it's hard to find good southern actors because i feel like it's hard for them to shed their natural accent Likewise, right? It's hard to find good American actors to do very international roles because they have a hard time doing 
non-american roles they, you know mm-hmm. but british can do american they can do american southern they can do everything so i'm taking a british actor here. oh okay uh, because i don't know if he can do a southern accent but based on the theory i just laid out i'm i'm confident he probably can and he actually looks like he could i really like this actor um i think he was in snatch i don't think that's given much away because that's a heavy uh, ensemble piece but uh, he's got some great roles out there. I uh, liked him in uh, The Darkest Hour. I liked him in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. I'm going with Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, now, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, I think, gives off that air of a I'm in control, I'm in power. He'll yell a little too much. Um, and can underneath be really more conniving than you think. So uh, I think he'll be able to do a good Southern accent. I imagine him, if not as the sheriff, maybe like uh, the mayor or perhaps even like a large community leader, uh, you know, of some sort, you know, maybe the, the, the local football coach or a local pastor or something like that, but somebody of prominence in the community in Savannah. And, uh, and it turns out he's kind of involved with uh, the crime itself. Uh, so I'm going with, with Ben Men- Mendelsohn. So he played Krennic in yes. Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Now, I am very familiar with that movie. I watched it many times. And he has a, a unique way of speaking. And I feel like he his tongue might actually project forward a lot. So it, I don't know if it's a speech impediment, but... Uh, it's not, it doesn't even sound like a clean British accent. So I'm, I'm really curious how that will play into doing a Southern accent. I am an idiot. Okay. He's Australian. He's not English. Okay. Australian. So you're, you're right. That will be interesting. Um, I thought he was English cause he played, uh, now he, he, he played, not- Ed, he, he played, um, George the sixth in the darkest hour. So I, 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 I so uh, he can do an English accent. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Well, I feel like Australian, like you were saying, it's it's um, hmm. it's like the British, but pitched higher almost, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> a little bit more rural. So it's I guess one deviation away from the British. So uh, I've heard someone argue that the Southern accent is actually closer to the British than something like a New York accent. Oh, and they showed why. And it's, it's due to like the round vowels and oh. it's just like a slower way, but closer to the actual British, British English. Okay. And then it's almost just like way of life slowed things down. And <laughs> we, get, we get this Savannah accent. So, so there's a movie here um, called Mississippi grind starring Ben Mendelsohn. Wonder if he does a southern accent Ooh. there. Might have to Ooh. check that out. So some homework, uh, okay? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I first saw him in Animal Kingdom, which is a really good foreign film. I, I think they actually started making a show about it called Animal Kingdom. Um, it's a, it's a, like a family crime show, is what it is. Uh, but the the movie was uh, in uh, Australia. He was in The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know as who to be honest. It says um, says Daggett. I don't know. I don't know which character that is. Uh, I, yeah. In um, Animal Kingdom, is that uh, Joel Edgerton in the front there? 
the bearded character looks like him. I don't know. I, it, oh, yeah, it is Joel Edgerton. Yeah. Call back to my uh, Nolan draft there. Um, I have not seen this movie. I'll check that one out. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, it was up for the best foreign film. I don't think it won, but it was up for it. Uh, he was in, uh, I'm trying to see what other stuff, Slow West, which I watched. I wasn't that a fan of. Of course, we talked about Rogue One, uh, the Star Wars movie. He played director Orson Krennic, one of my favorite characters um, in the Star Wars universe. Darkest Hour, like I said, that's about Dunkirk from the perspective of, uh, what's the, uh, uh, Churchill. But he played George VI, the king at the time. And uh, let's see, he was Robin Hood, the Sheriff of Nottingham. I don't remember that. Apparently, he was in Captain Marvel and Spider-Man, both as, I believe, this alien character, Talos. I didn't know that was him, but I remember that character. That's, uh, that's interesting. And uh, yeah, and he played the king, which was a really good uh, period piece on Netflix that I, I watched. Um, with, he was uh, a crawl. He was the crawl in Captain Marvel. Who, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, yeah, he took on the FBI. Yeah, yeah. Role and then was just himself. Right. He right? Wasn't, that's he, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Not the Jude Law alien, mm-hmm. who's the Correct. other alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 with you. Yeah. So um, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. I, I have a feeling he's he can do it. He, he he. I feel like he'll freak out really well. That's what I think. I think he'll freak out really well when he needs to. Um, I'll tell you some of my funny also rands, my alternates uh, later. But uh, okay, so I feel like I should kind of. Uh, well, I guess we need to do kind of our our elevator pitch for the show. Yeah, and yeah, let's, let's gosh, let's do that. I, let's do a pitch. Um, we'll tell them what to vote, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about other guys and gals. Okay. Why are you concerned about something? No, it's just I got a lot of plot here. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what to let's, go over. I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's do um elevator pitch, 30, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. 30, 45 seconds, Michael. Okay. Uh we'll we'll vote. We'll go to the alternates, call it a wrap. You go ahead and record your full explanation. And then just tell me when it's in the drive and we'll throw it. We'll tack it right after the, the closing credits for ex, extra content. Interesting. I'm just going to see if I can wrap this up in 45 seconds. All right. Give it a go. We'll see if... So true detective season four, we've got a murder discovered in the desert and it's in a, a typical crossing area for people migrating into the U S it's a white girl's body. It is a white body discovered. And so that kind of draws more attention to the case. And we kind of get some discussion for race relations. Uh, but this leads to our detectives, Michelle Rodriguez and Zan McLarnon. And they do work in the uh, Indian reservations, Native American reservation in the area. And it leads them to government officials. Ultimately, The responsibility for the murder lies on Luis Guzman. He's a drug kingpin, head of a cartel in Mexico. Pretty good, pretty good. We're going to tie in with some other seasons here. Yeah, 
So look forward to that. We're going to loop back around and cover some other characters. All right, Cameron here. So mine, my uh, season here, Shoe Detective, uh, based in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, it's around the, it's based on the, the Tom Brown missing teen case, but it's essentially a, a local teen boy uh, goes missing. Uh, lots of evidence left. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, nobody can find the body. I uh, need to dig into that. Two detectives come in. I don't know if they're state detectives or federal detectives, but um, played by John Bernthal, famous from uh, Walking Dead and The Punisher. And then Lance Reddick, famous from The Wire and John Wick. So they come in to try and solve that crime. Uh, the the ending villain turns out to be some local community member, whether that's a law enforcement member or maybe a, a school official or even a church uh, leader, but played by Ben Mendelsohn, who I have full confidence that he'll be able to pull off a nice Savannah, Georgia accent. So that is my true uh, detective season. Uh, let us know who you think uh, has the better season uh, that you would want to watch. Uh, you can go vote at uh, the What's on Draft Draft Room on Facebook. Go ahead and search for that and uh, send us a message. If you're not in it, we'll get you admitted. Uh, you can also uh, vote on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, What's on Draft Pod. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you have any uh, tips or concerns, maybe you thought we didn't tee up a certain actor or a setting the best way shoot us an email what's on draft podcast at gmail.com is that right okay yeah i, made I believe so yeah uh, my nose was itching I was, oh, I was like did i say the wrong email so uh let us know uh, also give us a, a five-star review if you can on apple itunes uh we have a lot anywhere of you listen to pods yeah anywhere you can find your podcast uh we have a lot of episodes out there so if there's something you like, we probably potted about it already. And if we haven't, please shoot us an email. If you know one of us, shoot us a text. Uh, we'll do whatever you want in order to get your viewership. We are that desperate. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Michael, I do have a crying baby over there, so I can't stay too long. But um, let me tell you a little bit of my additional actors. I love doing these recasts. Um, <clears throat> there's just a lot of great actors out there. I just started writing some down, trying to film fill them out um wanted to try and get riz ahmed in there um but he didn't quite yeah. fit once i started going the savannah route i i just didn't i didn't want to, to 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 i had too many other options i think um i'm a big fan of alicia vikander uh I yeah. think she's really great i was trying to get her in the detective role just couldn't couldn't swing it um we talked about killian murphy i really like him plays a great bad guy kind of a little off his rocker uh, you know, he seems put together, but then he can be a little crazy. So I wanted uh, Killian Murphy, which we talked about at the top of the pod. Um, Walter Goggins, does that name ring a bell? Yes, I, I know him from uh, from Justify. Justify, but yeah. He's also in the uh, Righteous Gemstones. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, great character actor. Uh, if, <clears throat> if you haven't, if you don't know who Walter Goggins is, well, you probably do. You just probably don't know his name. But a great character actor plays a good kind of uh bad guys you know scheming bad guys sometimes so that's uh that's really good uh richard jenkins i i've referenced he was in bone tomahawk i had his name written down as well he plays a good aging uh 
older man, so I couldn't quite find a, a role for him. But uh, Richard Jenkins is a, is a good. I toyed with Chris Cooper as the other detective opposite Lance Reddick. Chris Cooper, famous from tons of movies. He's getting up there in years. He's getting yeah. up there. That's the thing. I think mm-hmm. about maybe 10 years ago, it would have been fine. Uh, 10, uh-huh. 15 years ago. But now I, I feel like he's almost all white at this point. So I don't know if it was going to, was going to work. So um, yeah, I also toyed with kind of a uh, Mississippi Delta kind of a thing though. They already kind of did that with the, the, the Southern Louisiana kind of uh, season one, but I love the movie mud which kind of takes place uh, along the Mississippi river in Arkansas uh, with uh, Matthew McConaughey and mm-hmm. Sam, not Sam mm-hmm. Smith, Sam Shepard. So I kind of thought about that, but you know, they've already done Louisiana. They've already done Arkansas. So I was like, I, I got to go somewhere different. So, so I went ahead and did. So th- those are my kind of uh, alternates. Yeah. So I was thinking of, of the Southwest and, really kind of debating on where to place this. And I'm leaning toward Arizona border area just to kind of be able to link it a little bit more easily to the second season Hmm. and some people that were introduced in that season. Uh, I wanted to tie it to a government official and kind of talk about the trafficking issue that is brought up in season one. And man, I would love to be able to get all these people caught, but I feel like that's not the true detective style. I feel like we would get close and then maybe not quite get there. Mm, But uh, actors for this role, uh, doing some research for Native American actors, uh, Gil Birmingham is an excellent actor and uh, he was actually born in San Antonio. So he might've been a pretty good fit. But he's been in the Twilight Saga. Uh, he plays Black. Have you ever seen those, Cameron? Which, who? What? Plays in what? the Twilight movies. Billy Black? No. no he's I haven't seen uh, the, head, head of, the head of the werewolves. Oh, okay. The, that family. He's Jacob's uh, What's his dad, name? I believe. Gil Birmingham. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. You, you recognize him? No, I don't. Okay. Well, he's a good actor and, oh, uh, and he is, I feel South, like... you're right. He is Southwest, the Southwest native American. Yeah. Comanche. So, so hmm. he seems like, Hmm. I've not seen him play like an aggressive role. Mm, I got you. Oh, and, and his he, face looks—he—he he looks pretty nice. Like okay. he looks like a nice guy. He is—he was the other Texas Ranger opposite Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water. So he—he's kind of done the Southwest oh. kind of a role. That was him. There you go. Okay, yeah, so very cool. That—that's a good, uh, good for this cast. I, one thing that I liked about uh, Zan McClarnon, he has. Uh, He's 54 and he's got like some nice facial features. I feel like they can, with makeup, make him look young pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Rewind, you know. Yeah. Uh, The other actor that I was thinking, you've referenced Sicario a couple of times. I was thinking Benicio Del Toro. 
I, I was thinking that when you talk about Southwest, it's hard not to do Benicio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like he's just such a big name and, and he could definitely be the kingpin, but it's more expected. I feel. Yeah. I don't know. I would agree. And I, I also was wondering if it wouldn't be interesting to have uh, Salma Hayek be the head of the cartel. Interesting. I feel like she's played that role before. Has she? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I feel like she's been kind of like the strong female like crime boss in a couple movies. Okay. But uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd I've be- not seen her in that role. But Benicio del Toro is awesome. Uh, I love him as the collector and feel like he didn't get enough of a role in the MCU with that character. Yeah. Uh, but Sicario, those are amazing. Yeah. And I that's love the- kind of the feel. That's the yeah. feel I want for this series. Yeah. And, th- and that, that goes back to that writer that I mentioned who, who wrote Hell or High Water and Sicario. Taylor shared it. So kind of gives you that okay. Southwest vibe. Um, and also wrote the other movie I've mentioned three times already, Wind River. Um, but uh, yeah, I totally, I'm totally in alignment there. I, I, had, I had two alternates, um, one for you, and then one is a joke for me that I just want to bring up. Of course, when you talk about Native American, you really can't go wrong with West Studi. So, uh, you know, he's probably- Yes, most, true. So, older, so he's but, got an incredibly- recognizable yes. face yeah yeah i looked at him i'm thinking because they're going to have to to uh investigate and deal with people on reservations i was thinking he would be a great character that they interview yeah it's a good idea like he might be in an elder role you yeah. know and yeah, be yeah. kind of in charge of yeah h- how they're investigating yeah um and then there's a joke for me if i really wanted to just put it too much on the nose i would have nicholas cage oh doing, my gosh doing his best southern accent uh a la uh, con air put down the bunny so do you know who's cast in season two of true detective no oh i know uh, colin farrell right so it stars colin farrell uh rachel mcadams and uh vince vaughn and I oh, okay. feel like the Nick Cage casting kind of falls in line with that area of Hollywood. Probably. My, my wife loves Con Air from a guilty pleasure standpoint. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, that is one of the worst accents. It's one of the worst characters oh, just in general, but the accent is just terrible. Um, so I, I just as a joke, I was like, Nick Cage is a detective, you know, or something like that. So, you know, referencing that movie, uh, Steve Buscemi he could have been the bad guy in season one like that that yeah. his character from con air yeah. that's kind of the, yeah 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 the, the level of creepy i'm with you yes. yeah. yeah okay well, cool. well i feel like uh we've given some food for thought for the the writers the writer's room for season four here yeah i'll send it to hbl as soon as i get it edited Uh, Okay. uh, We'll hope they start getting those uh, those royalty checks in. Listeners, we want to thank you for joining us here on What's on Draft for this truly amazing detective show. 